Meltdown Comics, the Nerd Melt Theater. Harmontown is now in session. Please welcome to the stage the mayor of Harmontown, Dan Harmon. Thank you. All right. Yes. Yes, Dan? We got guests. We got a guest tree growing in the our, back. Our, our green room was chock full our of nuts. Our green room is like a, yeah, it's like a, yeah, it's chock full of nuts. Uh, so let's get anything uh, we got to say about me being fat, jerking off, and whatever. <laughs> you, you, uh, you're getting a little rounder. All right. I'm fat. I jerk off. I, I put some stuff in my butt once. Uh, I'm into women with the pantyhose. Bubble baths? Bubble baths, love take bubble baths. Uh, hate NBC, hate Tony. Uh, uh, love, love, love twelve-year-olds in the back of my white van. Uh, uh, rape, rape, hilarious, hilarious rape. We can end the show right now. Yeah. Well, that's that concludes twenty percent of you. you. Can run off, go and blog. Uh, but we got we got we got guests to talk about. I'm excited and talk to. I'm excited about both of them, really. One one, one of whom uh, we we teased earlier because she wasn't here, and her remember her 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 Mr. Clean uh, 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 bouncer in the back kept going no. <laughs> uh, she's here. She's actually here. Uh, no idea what we'll, what we'll talk to her about, but I'm excited that she's here because she's part of comedy history. Uh, and then uh, another fella who I'm also excited about because he's like he's like the uh, version of me that's actually read about the things that I pretend I'm interested in. Uh, so I don't know where to start. Let's talk about you. Where, where'd you get that suit? Who cares? <laughs> I was just about to tell you the rich history of the suit. Uh, what you got? You got anything going on? Me? You know, Dan, I'm just living a, a happy life. I've, I've traveled a lot recently, and now I'm home. And I don't leave again until we leave together for Scotland. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm starting. I, I, okay. I, I have a lot of anxiety about uh, I, I, uh, I'm working on community, and it's like you, I've burrowed into this mud hole. Community is a television show? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, it, it, I have no idea I'm at this point, my compass needle spinning about the quality of the show. It doesn't matter. Who, who will ever know? That's whatever. That's my shtick. I have no idea. Could be best, could be worst. Who cares? Now, no one ever wanted me to... Who cares, Dan, about how you feel about how good your show is or bad. It's stupid. It's a sitcom. Just shut up. But um, I'm, I'm in that zone where I'm like, I, I don't know. That's been like six months. And I keep thinking, I'm going to finish, and then we're going to go off to Scotland. In between Aaron's birthday. It's coming up very soon. Is that... It's in a, a couple weeks? What? It's December 5th is Aaron's birthday. Same as my brother? Same as my dad. What? <laughs> really? I My brother I propose a fan fiction story <laughs> involving you and I at an 1800s orgy. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm almost certain that already exists. <laughs> in which we became our own I, grandfathers. I, is, is there a slash porn of you out on the, on the internet right now? 
I've never seen I've never seen anything on the internet about that involved me doing it. There has to be. <laughs> because there's lots of slash of me because of Who's Line. The Who's Line yeah. fans love it. To, I, I'm fucking Ryan you don't and like Colin. It. You don't like it. I mean, no. Because here's why. Poorly written. <laughs> you, would you like me to write some slash porn and make it... Would you I like mean, me to I knock it out of the park? That's, <laughs> that's not where I was going with it, but yes, I would. I, I, would, I would like you to write some, some really good me and Greg Proop slash. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll work on that. I gotta sit down. Okay, I gotta improvise. Give you, I'll give you a better challenge. Me and you slash 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 it up between you. I'm and s- I. If that doesn't exist, I'm shocked. I don't know what we have to do to make it happen. There, there, there's somebody did artwork artwork of me and uh, Dustin Marshall, our podcast producer. I, I just really gain it up. I saw some really flattering, like like like. Actually, probably years ago, I when we first started doing Harmontown, I saw some really flattering serialized fan fiction that wasn't slash. It was just fan fiction. It was about just our exploits. It was just me hanging out and then you hanging out. and I don't know. I was having misadventures and things. But so, Somebody sent me a link one time, and you, you read the first couple of lines, and it was me and Colin Mockery on a cruise ship, and then it instantly turns into just sucking and fucking. Uh, I would welcome any of it. I, I, the reason I, I can't really read the community stuff, because uh, I think I've explained this uh, enough, but uh, the reason is because of scientific like, uh, craftsmanship. Because I, I, if, it, if you were to write a uh, community fanfic story about Annie finds a Rubik's Cube and there's a there's a butt inside of it and it farts in her face like if if, if I were to mention Rubik's Cubes in, in an episode or something I, I, I we have to keep those worlds separate otherwise I, I, I what, what am I supposed to do what could I do like what would you want to have sent me something and then uh, be the reason why I couldn't do that episode or would you want to be sitting there wondering if I ripped you off like the only possible uh, thing I can do is not uh, deal with it <laughs> Thank you, Dan, for... Uh, well, I was hoping he would talk for ten minutes straight about why he can't read fan fiction. <sighs> now for our next segment, me cutting myself. And then drinking it. And then complaining about the taste. And spitting into a cup. And then tearing the cup. And then cutting myself with the shards of the cup. Where'd you, where, where'd you get this new cardigan? <laughs> It's a new thing. Aaron got this for me, and uh, it's monogrammed, but they got the monogram wrong. What's it say? D H G. D H G. They got the monogram wrong. But it's still a wait, monogram wait. sweater. S- man. Somebody muttered Gathy. Like she, she added like Dan Harmon Gathy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's let's start bringing up our friends. Um, I think I think I think I'm trying to figure out what order to bring them up in. To maximize the impact. Height. <laughs> Height's been subjected, uh, suggested. Uh, yeah. uh, water displacement. <laughs> I'm going to bring him up in order of, of how... Uh, I'm gonna, uh, first, we're going to do our feral audio... No, fuck that. No. I'm going counterintuitive. Fuck you. Do it. I'm going off the rails. Follow your heart. I'm, going my, I'm following my heart. Slash it up. I'm bringing Lorraine Newman up first. Lorraine, Lorraine Newman! Newman. Lorraine Newman to the stage. You can you can sit anywhere and take any mic. Doesn't matter. It doesn't. No, you don't have to move down. It's a, it's, it's the it's the future. There's no more rules. 
just sit anywhere you want. Yeah. All right. No idea what to talk to you about. That's one of the new things. Well, we could talk about public bathrooms. We were talking about that in the green room. I I said, is there anything on your mind, like emotionally? And you said, you want to you want to have a word with. But it sounded like your husband is one of these people. No, it's women. But your husband, in the in the meantime, in the men's room, he said he. Okay. Oh, I think it was the next guest who talked about the gap. Right. Okay. Let's start, let's, I didn't hear let's include what my husband them. said. I I like um. You know how deafness, male deafness, tunes out the <laughs> yes, the I, pitch that's women's voices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding, honey. <laughs> you. I really you, didn't hear what he said. You said in the green room you wouldn't mind talking about this. Uh, you called it the uh, ski yeah, ski position. Women, the women that think you can catch something from a toilet seat, so and they decide. hover. Yeah. You can't catch something from a toilet seat, but I end up sitting in your piss. Right. And it makes me hate you. Yeah, like so. you don't want germs, so you're not going to sit on the toilet seat. You're going to be the uh, Nikola Tesla of peeing in a public bathroom. <laughs> Lorraine, you're saying women hover so high that they piss all over the seat? They don't even have to hover high, but they still piss on the seat. Really? Yeah, and, and no matter how much you put you know, to cover the seat, it still comes through, and I end up sitting in there pee. So it makes that, me mad. Does that force you to hover as well? No, I, I refuse to hover. <laughs> yeah. You'd rather sit in strangers' pee than hover. Well, there are times when it's deceiving because you've put, you know, you've laid something down. Right. You've done and your work. And often you can't see it because of the lighting. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's like you. <laughs> I'm with L- Lorraine. I I I I, fi- I I think that that's the last field of battle amongst each other. Mm-hmm. We if we cannot touch with our asses the same piece of plastic yes what are we even doing it's the end of civilization until some scientist says there's a germ that goes from your vagina and your butthole onto a piece of plastic and waits in a mall and jumps up into you at that point by the way there no one's going in a in a bathroom before Mm -hmm. that thing has taken us all out right um so until then like like it's it's an altar when you go into a public bathroom you have a choice like and the people that have come before you they've made a choice and they and they have they have changed the surface of the altar and and your your husband god bless his soul but he's one of the enemy he because he said he said he leans forward when he makes a poo-poo wait what (laughs) he leans forward he leans forward to what end Uh, to 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 his end and and to the and and when i heard him describe it i suddenly understood so many of the things that i have sometimes seen in a stall leans forward to make a poo-poo so that you're not touching everything so that you're you're trying to split the difference like you're on a fucking uh you know bench like leaning forward i am not touching this part of the conversation let's move on to the people who are loading their their cars at the market but they're not telling you that they're not leaving when you're waiting for their spot oh uh, yeah yeah how about them right wait, wait, right wait, what do you mean right, right? There, needs, yeah, there needs to be some sort of uh public pact where if you're not leaving like signal that somehow. exactly yeah be a human being. Wait, loading their cars it, 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 with their groceries. It, it, or if something? you're putting stuff in your car, let's say you're, you're at the market and you're and you're putting groceries in your car, but also you have to go to the dry cleaner next door or something like that. Right. And you're not getting in your car. And, and you can and, see that someone's waiting for your spot. And people don't right. say, hey, "I've lost Dan. I can see it. I've yeah. lost him <laughs> completely." Dan's not big on social cues like like. like that. 
But I have, no, but I no, I when I, if I'm in my if I'm in my if I'm in get into my car and I I I'm no, I'm the meters running. If I if I feel like someone's might be thinking that I'm going to leave the spot and stuff. No, I'm very paranoid about that. My biggest nightmare, hands down, second only to bucket of spiders on the face, uh, is the public movie theater. Save me, save me a seat. I'll be right there. Oh. Save me a seat. Yes. Sold out movie. Mm. I gotta sit next to an empty seat. Or two. Or three. Sometimes there's three of you coming. Save us a seat. I can't say no, because there's no... Oh, what I'm kind so of dick move you. is that? I'm so with you. I gotta spend the 20 minutes of trivia slides about David Hasselhoff like be- <laughs> before the movie, Sweat. where people are like... people. That by the way, now history shows will sometimes pull out an assault rifle and shoot you. Um, are looking for seats in the movie theater? That's not why. That's not why. That's not, That's why, not why. That's not. I have never assumed that that would be the case. But what terrifies me? People like and going like, uh, uh, it's seat taken. I'm cheating. I'm. Yeah. Everyone wants you, to you know, sit. You know what you do in that case if you have to if you're forced into that situation because again, yeah, you can't say. No, I won't save you a seat. But what you do, a friend of mine, uh, a comedian, uh, Ted Davis, he said uh, on a plane or in a movie theater when you, when you have to save a seat, just affect a really wet cough. <laughs> and just cough, just cough a lot that nobody wants those seats. Yeah, yeah. Or a, a variety of props could help out in that situation. <laughs> but in reality... Which, 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 which props would, uh, would help out the most? Well, like, you take these googly glasses, and these are what I call my mile highs. I don't know. <laughs> it's an audio podcast. Just imagine I'm wearing a prop that physically makes sense that a person next to you wouldn't want to... You ever want to scare a librarian? <laughs> Lorraine Newman, you're 1975. You're on a variety comedy show mm-hmm. that is not supposed to, I assume, succeed, or they wouldn't have put it on at midnight right. on NBC. Right. Like, it was supposed to replace the instead of the Carson reruns. Right. It's just and it's, it's live, a filler. Yeah. Meaning like not meaning amazing. Like 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 we. Like, what is it now? Forty years later, I can't even keep track of time. But uh, forty-two years later, like it, it, every fucking sketch is archived in this computer control. There's a robot arm that goes dick in a box. Goes burp, zzz, October 2012. Uh, why would that be in October? There's a Christmas uh, sketch. But but <laughs> but back in these days of cone heads and uh, and these things like. Uh, you guys were doing this variety show for for was, us, yeah. For like, you were bell bottom jeans and and like it was, it, like like like. But I, I I don't have a question because I'm a bad interviewer. I'm okay. cu- I'm curious if you have any insight. Any? Well, you want me to set the stage? Sure. Okay. Um. Well, the first people who were hired in the cast were actually uh, me and Gilda. And I had worked with Lauren before. I had done a Lily Tomlin special. And uh, I think that was in 74. And he had seen me in The Groundlings. And then he came back and saw me doing more characters and more material. Oh, who's he? Is... Lauren. Okay. And um, I went to New York and I met Gilda. And then we watched other people's auditions. Wow. Yeah. And then I met Danny. With him, because he was like, you're my Charlie's Angels, let's go exactly. assemble it. <laughs> exactly, that's what we felt like. 
And um, <laughs> that was interesting. And then we started filming the commercial parodies. And that's where I met Belushi and uh, Howard Shore, who was our band leader, who's now become an Academy Award winning. Uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, uh, actually, Silence of the Lambs, too. Ah, fuck that. Wait, Lorraine, um, so, so, <laughs> so who, uh, whose auditions did you watch that made it into the cast? Did you? Did you uh, watch- Jane Curtin. Wow. And it was between her and Mimi Kennedy. Do you know who she is? No. Oh, God, I wish I could list her credits now. You'd go, oh, my God, yeah, her. She was really good, but Jane, it was, it was just clear. So Lauren had the women first? I think so, yeah. And I think he did have Danny, actually. And uh, Chevy was hired as a writer. Garrett Morris was hired as a writer. And um, I met Tom Schiller, who was also a writer. And I'm thinking, God, that guy looks familiar. It turned out that we had gone to the same grammar school, and my sister had been his camp counselor. <laughs> So, you know, that was interesting. Um, it's already surprising to me because I remember the, from what I've read, like, you guys were all, uh, I, I, I picture you guys as being all sort of in the same company. Like, like, like there was like uh, Second City or something, and there's somebody coming and scouting and just grabbing people. Well, the Groundlings had just, we had just formed the Groundlings like a year before. I went to New York to do the show. I was the first groundling to go and do SNL. So I cannot tell you the teasing I got from everybody in the cast, well, mainly Danny and John, about the groundlings. Um, so, no, it was Second City uh, from Toronto, Second City from Chicago. So it was all just like you, you guys when you were showing up in 75, when you were mm-hmm. shooting the first – can you remember the first – Yes. Sketch. Yeah, well, I also remember the first sketch that was cut on George Carlin's show, which was Alexander the Great's high school reunion. (laughs) And it was so funny. And I wasn't even in it, but I was heartbroken that it was cut. (laughs) And, you know, there have been a lot of instances like that, including, I think it was... uh, Jesus Christ's high school reunion where it was, Jesus, is that you? God, you look good. Christ, it's good to see you. No. Yeah. Um, what, 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 what was the joke at, uh, at uh, Alexander the Great's high school reunion? Oh, that I don't remember. Uh, That's <laughs> such a long time ago. But Just trust me. It was... Yeah, or, and, and trust me, it was funny. So, so, so you left the Groundlings in what year? Uh, 75. When I was... I was born in 73. When I was four or five years old, my first professional job was at the Groundlings Theater. I did a play there. Really? Yeah. So it would have been just a couple of years after you left. Wow. I was in a very ill-advised production of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, with all children. <laughs> Real children. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a bummer. Wow. <laughs> o- opening night, I was, I was uh, Linus, and I, my, my director, who was like six foot five, and I was you know, a little tiny four-year-old, and he, he goes, he gets down on his, on his knees and his, like, on his haunches, like in the wings, right before I walk on. He's like, Jeffrey, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, why? So he's like, you don't, you don't, you don't look so good. And I just puked all over. <laughs> I just pr- projectile vomited all over his face. And then I dropped my blanket and went out on stage. <laughs> as, 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 as I think I said before, if you're, if you're Linus and you don't have a blanket, you're Schroeder. Nobody fucking knows who you are. <laughs> That's some pep talk. That's a great pep talk. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I, I, I owe that guy a drink. Mm. And you were on SNL. Now we call it SNL. It never called it SNL back then. Uh, well, at that time, it was NBC's Saturday night because Howard Cosell had a show on Friday night with his rep company, Chris Guest. Uh, a lot of 
other interesting people. What was the Howard Cosell show called? It was Saturday Night. Oh, okay. All right. So, so anyways, you, you did it for, what, five, five years? Five years, yeah. Like, uh, um, and how, then, how many episodes would that be? I, don't, what I kind think of it was schedule? 105 shows. Jesus Christ. Um, and then Lorne decided he he was... He'd had enough. You were there. So you departed. The, there was that year that, that then Lorne Michaels got removed from his own NBC show. Is that what happened? <laughs> yeah. Something like that. <laughs> when he I remember told reading us something he quit. Dan, Dan, where are you going with this? I don't know. No, no. I really wasn't going with that. I, 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 the, 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 uh, but that, was that 80? Yes, and so you left like uh, the whole cast left. Like like Lauren came. Could you call you guys together and go? I don't. I'm asking. I'm interviewing you know about stuff that everyone can read in some paperback. Dick somewhere Ebersole, uh, or was it Dick Ebersole? Someone from the network came and asked us if we wanted to stay, knowing that Lauren was leaving, because Gene Demanian, who had been, I think, the talent coordinator, was going to take over as the producer, and. Um, she, we didn't feel that she could do it, so we, we all left. Wow. And I was homesick. I wanted to come home to L.A. After five years of working on a show, even if you thought that the next person would do a bang-up job, it's like, it's a good time to leave. Yeah. Yeah, you can't be faulted for it. Lorraine, what, what was your relationship with Chevy? Because Dan has worked with Chevy, and they've had kind of a, 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 a famous, <laughs> uh, news, newsworthy It was the uh, last thing that we said in the green room. It was like, oh, the Chevy connection. Yeah, oh, Jesus. We're not going to talk about that. Okay. No, yeah, I, I was friends with Chevy. We had a really, we have a really great friendship. And when he left the show... I continue to be friends with Chevy. You were notably the only person from Saturday Night Live, I, unless I'm mistaken, when he did that that roast on Comedy Central. You were the one alumni, alumnum, alumnum, alum, alum. You did a very funny bit that was like, Thank like you. you read from your diary of having worked with Chevy. Yes. And, but well, you were the only person there. And the, 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 the story surrounding that thing is that he was he was pretty bummed out. He actually described. Oh, it was awful. It was really, I mean, you know, uh, his uh, speech, you know, when he comes up afterwards was just, they, they cut most of it. And, and they had to because it was basically... Um, there was no material. Usually, they have a, a you know a bit where they roast the people that roasted them. But his was off the cuff, and it was just uh, just basically saying "fuck you" to everybody else, you know, and and people who had artfully crafted a piece, you know, um, and it just uh, and he said, "I'm only doing this because it, it's benefiting my wife's favorite charity." Right. So uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. is there something like you and I? It's like wait, I literally ran up into the stage uh, because we had that one moment right before. I was like, "Oh, Chevy! Oh, shit! Would you, we?" I think you and I. I get the sense you and I feel the same way, which is like, no good can come of. We're not gonna. We're, there's no shit talk like uh, to, to to be done. There's no like he he is he is a fucking fascinating person, mm-hmm. and, and, and I worked with him. Uh, longer than you did, not yes. to pull any uh, rank or anything. <laughs> but I've actually worked with him longer than anybody, which is I, I sometimes marvel at looking back on. And and like I, the, like like he, I, so let me magnificent, such an unignorable tell person. Tell you a story about the time that I broke my ribs. Does anybody have anybody here broken their ribs? 
Anybody? Only I, one. I, She's I, laughing I, at I Chevy have. Chase. Okay. It, hurts, <laughs> it hurts like hell and it takes forever it to heal. It is excruciating. And you can't sneeze and you, you can't, can't cough. Breathe. You can't sit up and you can't you lay down. You can't do anything. Yeah. So forget laughing. Okay. All right? Now, it's a shame that they didn't include Chevy in the Aristocrats documentary <laughs> because he tells it probably the funniest of anybody else because he acts it out. The aristocrats joke. He, he actually shits in your mouth. <laughs> well, there's, there's two of them. One is, uh, I think there's a version that, that involves scatology, and then there's a version that involves incest. He does the incest one. When you say he acts it out, he brings members of his family out? <laughs> You know, no, he, he, he makes you the, the he victimizes. No, he pantomimes it. It's pantomime. Um, is this related to the so broken ribs? Yeah. It, this is years years from like my having seen him. He finds out that I've broken my ribs. He tracks me down to where I'm staying, which is my boyfriend's house at the time. I'm still living in New York. And, I, and the opening line of the joke is, guy goes to a booking agent. He tracks me down. I've broken my ribs. I, you know, <laughs> fuck it. I just, you know, breathing hurts. I pick up the phone. No, hi, hello. Guy goes to a booking agent. It's <laughs> my friend, Chevy. <laughs> you know. Now, that's love. <laughs> that's love. He, do, the, like, he, yeah. Like, he still calls me and, and vice versa. And it's all, like, like, he's... He is focused on making people laugh. And he's funny. Yeah. And, and like, like he, I, I, I was at a hot dog stand out. That sounds like I'm making it up. There were, for some reason, there was a hot dog stand outside the stage where we were shooting community. Everyone's weary. Everyone's bummed out. No one wants to be there. Everyone wants to get home later. And uh, and the guy manning the hot dog stand goes, uh, uh, holy shit, it's Chevy Chase. Uh, who's standing in front of me waiting to get a hot dog. And I go, I'm thinking in my head, oh, great. Oh, fuck. Yeah, uh, uh, I, like, don't, please, come on, don't talk to anybody. We're all, we all just want to go home. And he's like, what do you want? And he goes like, well, fuck, my sister's not going to believe it. So shit, please, can I, let me call my sister. I just, like, will you talk to her on the phone? And I'm just, I'm thinking in my head, like, I don't even have the balls to be a man and say, like, sir, excuse me, it's Chevy Chase wants his hot dog and we need to work. <laughs> Thank God I didn't have those balls because this guy in front of me has worked for, you know, a thousand years more than me who has the right to decline or, or, or absorb this thing goes like, like yeah, yeah, give me the phone, give me the phone. And he takes the phone and it's like, it's right, and it goes like, Hello? Who's this? Natalie. Natalie is Chevy Chase. What the fuck do you want? And, it, and the hot dog guy is like freaking out. And Chevy Chase walks off down Paramount with the phone. And he's gesturing and he's... It's like 15 minutes. And I'm like, I'll have a hot dog with lettuce. And I have all that time to think about who I am. with lettuce. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know anything about being a celebrity and I don't know anything about eating hot dogs. I'm in autopilot mode. I have all that time to think about like, like who, who am I and who do, who do I think I am and how, do, how are you supposed to treat people and what is, what, is, what is any of this? Because Chevy Chase is walking off with this cell phone and he brings it back and hands it to the happiest hot dog guy in the fucking world. And when he hands it back, he said, what are we called? We're called the aristocrats. And he gives the phone back. <laughs> 
But that's I, and, and yeah, and he would do like like if he was walking away from the soundstage, if he ever came across one of those Paramount tour groups or something, you would you'd you'd pop by and he would be holding court like like they they're wow. popping pictures and he's talking because they ran across Fletch on Paramount lot. Uh, anyways, uh, like he. Uh, what, what, what do you what do you what do you say? You don't say anything. I have no yeah. idea. You say you say the word Chevy. Yeah, <laughs> Chevy. I'm standing. Well, you know, I have no idea what you guys went through. Uh, TV TV comedy, like single camera comedy, after the advent of basic cable, after the advent of. I mean, I we got. Uh, anybody over the age of fifty five, I. I uh, on that set, like they are, they are already being tortured. I think the Geneva Convention, if they knew what was going on, <laughs> for an actor over, like, like at a certain point, would be like, "You're not allowed to do this to human beings." Our crew, you know, like, like we abide by the union rules that we have to abide by, but the truth is, there's inhumanity going on on those stages and stuff. So uh, he was, he was not. He so you was, think exhaustion? Contributed to a lot of it. I mean, if you're if you're if you're that magnetic a personality, how long are you supposed to stand there and be magnetic and be told that you have to do twenty more takes? You know, he was like not used to that at all. Like, like because it's like fuck you, I'm Chevy Chase. What do you mean one more take? Fuck you, you got it. We we didn't have it, but <laughs> <laughs> but he felt like we had it, and, and uh, yeah, because I, 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 yeah, it's 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 a tough. Well, it's, but my guess is it wasn't fuck you, I'm Chevy Chase. You have it. It was that you're repeatedly asking for it. I and maybe it made him insecure. Oh, absolutely, God! Yeah. And the, like the 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 horrible odd mirror that I would look into whenever he and I would like try to talk to each other about what what how we were dissatisfied it was like how do you how do you say to somebody like oh no I know how you feel you don't have a right to say that I'm like you the, the, you that is an insult to say that like I'm 20 years younger than you you're not I'm not like you I, I don't have a right to be like you yet but like I you oh no the the blood that's boiling in your veins like I it's boiling in mine too but like like it'll be funny if you if you act like it's boiling was Chev, it, was Chevy like that back in the old days back in the SNL days was he like driven by insecurity then I think that's a you know I that's your wiring. Yeah, everybody probably was to some degree, right? Yeah, I anybody think. on that stage, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What was that, what was Bill Murray like? That, so you you because you saw that then he came in and from what I've read the weird situation that Bill Murray was in was that people mistakenly perceived that he was the replacement for Chevy Chase and he had to go through that whole thing. Well. Um, what was he like? <laughs> was in, in the context of thinking he was trying to fill Chevy's shoes, I don't think. Or that, any context. That he, Tell me anything. I mean, really. I, I, I don't. I mean, I, I can't. I can't speak for Billy. He's a very enigmatic person, but you know, he, uh, he's a great guy. I wish I had my phone with me. I could read some of his texts because they're hilarious. We have a, a great texting relationship. Uh, one of the, uh, one of our. You know, associates, a girl named Robin Schlein, who died a couple years ago from cancer. He said, well, I'll come over and fuck you. I think that would be, you know, a nice thing. Uh, you know, so he's, he's just such a great guy. He really, 
What was the uh, what, what was the vibe like w- before you guys would walk out to start a show? You'd, you'd rehearsed it. You'd probably done the. the uh, did, did they still do the um, the, uh, the, cool. dress, the dress rehearsal for, for, for Oh yes. So you, you did that. So b- b- before you guys were ready to go live and do it, what was the camaraderie or the like? Was it were you guys a team? Was it was it was there like a? Did you guys get together and have a huddle beforehand, or what was no, the vibe like? No, you couldn't like? because you were on all different areas of the stage. Right. Um, which is strange because we went and saw the show, I guess, two years ago. I had never seen it before. I'd never been in the audience before. And it was, uh, I think Ed Helms was the host. And they've really blocked off a lot of sections of the, of the floor, you know, which we used to use the whole floor as sets. Meaning right. what? Because uh, I can't even picture to begin with what the floor would look like. What do you mean by sectioned off? Um, they've closed it off, you know. Um, there's, set, I, there's sets where you, you can't you can't see everything from certain parts right. of the audience. So right. the, well, they've used them. I think they're using parts of where, like, the bleachers are for the upstairs. We used, you know, some of that area was opened up, and we used it the floor area as sets. And now they're they're just enclosed. I think they use them for uh, uh, costume changes and wig mm. changes and things like that. So they use very little of the floor now. And I think, you know, also they have just new technology that helps them along. Did you get that feeling? Like, because I've gone back to theaters that I, I performed at when I was a kid, and you walk in there, and, <laughs> and you, you have that kind of weird, like, oh, shit, I'm on, kind of like, like uh, for me anyway, I get like a weird energy of like, like, like you, you, you remember some of that, the, the, the old frights. What was it like going back and seeing a show there and not being like having to go out and do it? Oh, you mean did I have like uh, auxiliary stage fright? Oh no! What was like? What was it like to return there after years and see it? See it different? Like, what was the emotional? Well, spectrum? it, it um, they cleaned it up nice. <laughs> <laughs> the upstairs was always so ratty. You know, speaking of what it was like in the beginning, because you know we had all their shit furniture. Right. You know, like from the. You know, whatever floor that was... From the oh, oral histories that yeah, I've read. Let's give them the, that couch from the yeah. Bob's You guys were punk office. rock. You were yeah. doing a variety show. The whole point was it was a variety show by people that were not supposed to be in charge of Yeah, that's what, that was what was so exciting about it. We, we really felt like we were able to put on stuff that made us laugh. And we just couldn't believe the kind of stuff that we were able to put on. The interesting thing is that constant question of what, when is comedy like, – because when you're laughing at things, there's nothing more subversive than that. And then at the same time, like everybody loves to laugh, and that's why it's subversive. So then like comedy becomes institutionalized. I, I don't know what the fuck my point is and where I'm going with this rant. <laughs> but well, it's, it's like, like this was a – Punk rock variety show with a bunch of pot smoking, uh, happy go lucky people just fucking around, and it was live. And it wasn't supposed to. The idea that you had cones on your head was ironic. It wasn't like, hey, let's get the cone. I, I don't know how to articulate well, it. Well, I think that the reason it still is successful is because it's allowed to be idiosyncratic. You know, <clears throat> character driven stuff always works if 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 it's a really original character. And I think that they pick good talent, mm-hmm. and they have good writers. It's not always at the same time, but you know, <laughs> uh, they. But they've always had great people, always, and they've had tough seasons and they've had great seasons. Do, do you watch? It, have you watched it consistently all the way through? Or do you? No, when I had when my kids were small, I didn't, and there was no such thing as TiVo. But now that there is, I watch it all the time. I love it. Yeah. 
Because I still love sketch comedy. I mean, if today if today's SNL was yeah held to the or if if, if I'm sorry if 1975 SNL was held to the standard that we do now, where we go, uh, okay, were there, what were the two funny sketches? Let's put them on a split cider and put a little clicky link in the thing. Like it was it was a variety show, and you come in a, the, the description of that process is amazing. Who was the coolest uh, musical guest that you got to meet? You, I mean, for me, like I, I don't get starstruck around actors or like famous people, musicians. Always. Me too. Yeah, me it's, too. Good comedians, we we all love rockers and and and, and musicians. I'm the same way. So who was the who was the grooviest that you got to meet? Ooh, David Bowie. Oh shit! <laughs> See, like I, I'm straight, but I would make out with Bowie. <laughs> I would absolutely make. I think right now I'd make out with David. Yeah, Bowie. George Harrison too. Oh Harrison. yeah. I mean, who I, I'd make out with his ukulele there. It's it's almost more notable. Like like who in in those five years. Who wouldn't have been on there? What, what, what? So, what was Bowie singing? That would, do you remember the songs he sang? What, 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 what records um, was he doing then? I don't. I just remember that Klaus Nomi and uh, Joey Arias, who had been a groundling, and Tony Sales, who was my best friend in middle school, were in his band. <laughs> just uh, because he picked up local guys? Or, <laughs> You're just the Forrest Gump uh, of David Bowie's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you at that point? Did you go? Wait, is that what I am? Am I a cog in David Bowie's? That's right. I'm, I'm just uh, I'm Zelig. Um, yeah, I'm just no. But uh, I just wish they would have uh, Skrillex on. That's all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you, you were all right, def- you were hashtag def- Skrillex on SNL. That's, uh, <laughs> you were definitely there during some of the, the, the for me the coolest era of music, like the talent back then. Yeah, Devo was on, and and Elvis Costello, and. I mean, for sure, back then that was the that, and it become you can't you can't talk shit about SNL now, and it's like that's the thing you can't talk shit about it. That's not cool. Like, it's a fucking institution, and now half my friends are on it, and uh, it, or have been on it, and it's like it's an institution. How like the the the, the it, it you your mind is torn in half. By your relationship with SNL, I, uh, uh, a lot of the the Lonely Island guys who yeah. uh, who started as Channel 101 guys and uh, and went to SNL and uh, they I think I think it was one of them that kind of summed it up. I'm sure this has been pointed out by anyone else, but they they said, you know, everyone everyone has grown up on SNL. Everyone thinks that the SNL from when they were 10 years old was the perfect SNL, and everyone Absolutely. thinks that the SNL from when they're 20 is a piece of shit. Like yeah. every, everyone has that luxury now. Like it's mm-hmm. it's been there the entire time, and you go like because uh, and I went yeah oh yeah Martin Short Christopher Guest holy yes. shit those were the days they were great <laughs> uh, they were and but, but it's like they weren't any better than anything I I I, I mean it's it's crazy to appraise uh, seasons of, of of SNL, but it's also crazy to just say one season was better than the other because they were all different yeah and there season four of community however (laughs) was a lot like watching it the season 20 of snl be forced to watch season one of chevy chase's talk show (laughs) on a beach uh i don't want to put you on the spot but i would 
<laughs> if I had my preference, you would stay up here for our next guest to come up, just because I think it would be interesting to have you up here. But you could totally leave too and pretend that you have a, a medical emergency or a family in it's, pain. But there's no dialogue between me and your guest. Right? No, there is. You stay oh, there. there you stay exactly where you are. That's why I think it might be. Uh, like, well, why don't I move over here and all? Because I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in what he has to say, I, which I, I could hear out there too. I think I say stay uh, stay exactly where you are and and just okay, good. I just wanted to make sure you didn't want to like leave. No, I don't want to leave. Okay, I'm kind of. Just... I mean, we are going somewhere after this, but <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to leave now. All Should, right. Are we supposed to leave, Chad? No. All right. <laughs> Remember that guy? It's it's the Lorraine Newman no guy. <laughs> Would you save a seat for me? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes he likes stuff. Uh, the Lorraine Newman no guy. Right. Hey, Spencer, have you heard of Lisa Lampanelli? Oh, you're talking about the queen of mean, right? Yeah, but she's also become the queen of lean. Did you know that? She has a, a play called Stuffed where she delivers brash, skinny insight from the fridge to your ears. No, oh, yeah, not, no. I don't think that's what happens in the play. <laughs> I've actually heard reviews for the New York Times that have said, uh, stuffed offers laughs, genuine pain, and even a bit of insight. So, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Why? Is that relevant to anything? Well, well you know, yeah, Lisa Lampanelli, she's got a lot of street cred, and she's also got a new Feral Audio uh, podcast um, where she and her co-host, Mike Morse, uh, talk about health, food, body image, everything else to help you be the best you you can be. That's a that's a, that's a a real hairpin turn for the queen of mean. She's, she's stopped stomping on uh, political sensitivities uh, long enough to help you self-actualize and get, engage in some self-care. So what? She dishes out some tough love as she takes your questions about being fat, being skinny, being anything but right, and helps you grab a little self-acceptance? I mean, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, but there's other stuff, too. Like, if you if you want to get yelled at by uh, Lisa, you can email getstuffed at feralaudio.com, uh, and maybe she'll uh, she'll make you feel like a piece of shit on, on the podcast, <laughs> or, or, or maybe she'll make you feel better. I, you, you don't know with Lisa Lampanelli. She's the queen of mean and lean. Um, give their, give her hotline a ring, 347-464-2654, and you might end up in the show that way, too. But in either case, it's worth a listen. It's free. Like... Uh, I think it's very interesting that she that she's 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 like had some transformative n- nutritional experience that she and now is 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 doing insights because you know what's interesting about the idea of Lisa Lampanelli talking about body image and stuff is that we already know that she doesn't give a shit about what your feelings so and and what we probably need to do more of when we're talking about um, health issues and stuff is actually have some frank conversations. We're a very fat country, very diabetic country, very diluted, uh, v- vain. Um, uh, self-loathing, uh, shallow country. Like, like, what, what, what do we need to do to actually be healthy? I, I, I would trust uh, uh, the Queen of Mean turned Queen of Lean to, to, to tell me that. Yeah. So make sure you subscribe to uh, get stuffed. Get stuffed. Kick the craving. Subscribe to get stuffed on iTunes, Stitcher, FeralAudio.com slash get stuffed, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt Dan's drunken ramblings. I'm Jeff Davis from Harmontown, here to talk about Warby Parker glasses. Do you need glasses? Do you wear glasses? Is your eyesight all fucked from playing Bubble Witch or whatever the stupid app game you play? My eyes are just dying from these stupid games. You stare at it and then you try to look up and you can't see shit. I'm 43 and my eyes are dying because of Bubble Witch. God damn it. 
Warby Parker has glasses that are really cool. They're kind of vintagey, retro-y kind of stuff, and they look great. And they're cheap as shit. They're they're less expensive than glasses generally are, which is dumb because people need them. Or maybe you don't need glasses and you just want to look professorial and kind of groovy. Warby Parker makes it very easy to order glasses. They have a free home try-on program where you order five pairs of glasses, you try them on for five days, there's no obligation to buy them, it ships for free, and you can ship them back for free. You go to warbyparker.com slash Harmon to order your free home try-ons today. The glasses start at 95 bucks, which is cheap. That includes prescription lenses, anti-glare and anti-scratch coatings, and every pair you buy, another pair is distributed to someone in need. I'm hoping that it's refugees. I mean, because Syrians, holy shit, they need glasses. I, I, I did it. I ordered them. They come so easy. Boom. There's a box. There's a bunch of glasses in there. You pick the ones you like. You look in the mirror and you go, these suck, these suck, these rule. You pick the ones that you like. Um, also, if you don't have any personal awareness or any sense of identity, after you get your glasses from warbyparker.com slash Harmon, you can also go to the Warby Parker app from the iTunes app store, which allows you to quickly take photos wearing all the frames, stitch it into a video and share it with friends and family to help you pick a winner because you don't know what you like. You need other people's opinions because you're a spineless ooze. WarbyParker.com slash Harmon. They're glasses. They're cheap. They're awesome. Fuck you. Back to Harmon. All right. Uh, well, let's... Uh, uh, Feral Audio. Boy, we got a lot of podcasts on that network. Uh, this guy's got one of them. His name is Dr. PhD Dr. Chris Ryan. And he has a... a, a He has a podcast called Tangentially Speaking. Oh, God! No, yeah, yeah, please, sit. There was that hang time where... Lorraine stayed. That's... It's great. I thought she I can, might... Now I can say I've been on a stage with Lorraine Newman. It's yeah, fantastic. yeah. It's, it, it feels important. I didn't, yeah, I didn't want I, I to blow her off, but also because you are... Uh, uh, the, the interesting thing about your... your uh, the, the book that you wrote, uh, it involves uh, monogamy versus polygamy in our species as primates. You are a guy whose PhD is in psychology, but you became kind of... You stumbled into anthropology Anthropology, wrote a book where you didn't have any horse in the race, but you kind of ended up making the case. And this is a very sensitive issue for people, yeah. myself included. Everybody gets, yeah. gets their buttons pushed by this idea of, is humankind naturally monogamous? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a funny thing. Like People want to believe that we are when all the evidence suggests we're not. So that makes it a, a conflictive kind of conversation. But also in anthropology, then don't you count the fact that we all want to believe we are as evidence to the fact that we are? No. <laughs> <laughs> Behaviorally. That's the we, difference between science and bullshit right there. <laughs> just, you summed it up. Uh, no, I mean, if you look, I, I was just doing a thing the other night with Amushika Escher and uh, some comedians talking about uh, science. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the simplest way to, to explain human behavior is to say we're not a polygamous species, right? Polygamy would be one male and several females. That we're a promiscuous species where both the males and the females had multiple sexual partners. Uh, so the simplest way to explain contemporary human behavior is to, is simply to say we're a promiscuous species 
that's being told to be monogamous. Right. And we can roll with that because of how promiscuous we are. We have, it's like a Swiss army knife being told you have to open wine bottles. Right. <laughs> but but so the blade confused. comes out occasionally, right? <laughs> yeah, we're still Swiss. Yeah, we're still Swiss. Yeah, and, and, it's, and it's based a lot on... Uh, humans are related to chimps, closely of, most closely of all, and of those chimps... Uh, it's the but how do you pronounce it? Bonobo. Bonobo. Yeah. Uh, they are like okay. Here's where I okay. Here's where I lay my cards on the table. This is why I refer to you as the Dan Harmon of informed people because I read one book about this and pretend to be an expert on all this and uh, you wrote a book on it and probably read a million books on it and don't pretend to be an expert on it. But I read Desmond Morris's book from the '60s, The Naked Ape. And uh, he, I think he was the one that talked about the, the bonobo chimps. And he talked about specifically how back in the day when science was still actually accountable to some degree uh, uh, to uh, sus- you know, social propriety, when you're just studying chimps fucking, they had found this breed of chimps. Is that accurate to call bonobos a breed of chimps? Well, you, they used to be called pygmy chimps. Uh, despite the fact that they're not really smaller than common chimps. Right. They're a separate species. They're, in fact, Jared Diamond, who wrote Guns, Germs, and Steel and a bunch of other things, argues quite convincingly that chimps, humans, and bonobos are really three subspecies of chimpanzee. Right, okay. We're so closely related. We're, if you go to the zoo and you, you see the, the chimps or the bonobos in the zoo, you are more closely related to them than they are to anything else in the zoo gorillas or orangutans or what have you. So the chimps, humans, and bonobos are more closely related, for example, than the Indian elephant is to the African elephant. Oh, well, okay. In terms of of just genetic, like... uh, Last common ancestor and shared DNA. Wow. Yeah. We're extremely closely related. What what percentage is our DNA uh, uh, linked to uh, a chimpanzee? Well, there are many different ways to, that scientists use to measure that, so numbers vary, but uh, from 98 to 95.5% is the general range. But also, but, we're, but I we, mean, we, that, that's kind of a, a we, nonsense thing. Because we have 70% in common with watermelon. That half a percent? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. A, 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 a watermelon is 98% water. Like, like, like g- g- genetic. So are we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all, all I know is we, we don't have to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> That's what I'm getting from all this. <laughs> also, interestingly, speaking of not going to work, uh, both chimps and bonobos sleep in hammocks, which I find really fascinating. I love hammocks. In nature or just when they're provided, though? No, they weave hammocks every night. They weave branches together and sleep in they, them. They create hammocks. So we argue, Casilda, my wife and I, who's back there somewhere, argue insects at dawn that uh, hammocks are the first human technology I because fu- it I fucking love humanity. hammocks. I thought that that was a... But it, it, when you get into a hammock, it feels so good. It's per- I thought it was because I had Asperger's or something. It was like, it's because I'm a monkey. So, so the it's bonobos, primal, man. So Desmond Morris's book, and a lot of what Desmond Morris discussed, you know, has been has been subsequently questioned and challenged and stuff. But uh, what he talks about is they discovered this 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 type of chimp is really more closely related to us, or as you're saying, like they're like cousins of well they're equidistant right from us like we both descended from chimps and 
the interesting thing about them was always how much fucking and sucking they did. Like they were, they they are incestuous. They are bisexual. They are uh, they, they, they. He referred to them settling gang disputes through orgies. Uh, yeah. like, they're, they're known as the aristocrats of the jungle. <laughs> They, they, they do it all. Guy goes into a talent office. They make the Kama Sutra look like an episode of My Three Sons. Like Guy they... goes into a hammock. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and early in the 50s when they're discovering this stuff, they're sort of discovering it and going, eh, weird, weird monkey. Uh, and then over time we're going, wait, that's us. That's what's going on. That's what's raging inside our brain. Yeah, they're also the only other mammal that has sex face to face. Right. Right. They, they stare into each other's eyes. They kiss. They have oral sex. They exchange food while they're having sex. Gross. They, they, that's gross. <laughs> hey, I don't like food and sex. Whenever there's chocolate Talk to Mickey Rourke, fucking, baby. Yeah, I don't like it. Whipped cream. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it leaves the food out of it. Yeah. Fran, Franz Duvall, who's a very uh, famous Dutch primatologist, said that chimpanzees use violence to get sex. And bonobos use sex to avoid violence. Yeah. In about 50 years of observation, both in the jungle and in captivity, no bonobo has ever been witnessed to kill or rape another bonobo. Not once. And, and believe me, if you're the first one to see it, your career is made, right? So they're looking for it. <laughs> That's the holy grail just, of primatology. Right. You just created a, a, a whole new weird uh, uh, payola scandal. That's going to happen. Bonobo rape porn. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to 30 years from now. No, but, be, bonobo be. rape staged yes. by Dr. Sato. <laughs> uh, paid, paid for in Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, um, so, so, so we, we, we do with that information though. Here's, here's, okay. So let me let's walk through the emotional experience that a human being with a necktie that's got to go to work tomorrow at 9 a.m. Um, uh, that, that, that loves his wife and, and loves his kids. What, what the emotional thought experience that he has when he reads a scientist saying that human beings aren't naturally monogamous. Um, the 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 natural experience is that that person says, "Well, that is implying that my life is a lie." That's implying that. Yeah, but that's a mistake. That's a very shallow interpretation. That's like that's like if you're talking to a vegetarian and you say our ancestors were omnivores. Is the vegetarian going to say, "Therefore, my life is a lie"? I don't think so. I think most vegetarians would say, "Yeah, of course they were." That's why being a vegetarian is hard. But I still choose to do right. it. We're also we're also clearly descended from a lot of murderers. Like we 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 we, we bashed each other's brains in and slurped our brains from each other's well, skulls. Not we don't so have fast. to keep not doing so that. Fast. Uh, I agree with the sentiment of what you're saying, but you know, people often say to me because I'm like in the business of talking about human nature, right? Which everybody's got an opinion on. People say like, okay, what is human nature? Are we naturally violent, as you're suggesting? Thing, like Steven Pinker suggests and others, or are we naturally F- fuck generous? Pinker. Fuck Steven Pinker. I know. I've That's said sorry. that many times. Uh, but uh, what the hell was they saying? Steven Pinker always sidetracks me. Um, but the thing is, we are uh, – there's all sorts of interesting research showing that toddlers of six months old – already have a sense of justice uh-huh. and that and and one thing i often say is look nobody's walking around suffering from ptsd because they helped a stranger 
right? So no matter how violent you think we are by nature, it's interesting that we have to be trained to yeah. hurt each other. Yeah. And even after boot camp, it still fucks us up. Right. You know, so I think that the evidence is quite clear that we are, by nature, of a species very interested in justice and egalitarianism. And compassion. And compassion. That's our nature. We can, we can, under extreme circumstances, be extremely cruel and nasty and bizarre, but that's not our nature as a species. And what do we, what do we share? So if we, what do we share that with? Who's the common ancestor that wants to rip throats out if we are actually, well, it's the chimpanzee, according to, if we're, if we're equidistant with bonobos right. from the chimp, then bonobos are like fucking and sucking and swinging. They're the 70s of, uh, of right. chimpanzees. They're the hippies. And, and we're yeah. over here being like, you know, we're, we're Devo going like, okay, we can, we can do this. Let's just build are a couple more men? skyscrapers and beep, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> but we all have that grandfather, that great Santini above us going like, get in there, get your ass in the dirt, private! Rip that throat out! Tell that woman what's her job! Dan, when is your book Mixed Metaphors coming out? <laughs> It's it's an album, Jeff. <laughs> and it's going to be the book of movies. <laughs> so, uh, what do you think is the final word on, on, on us? Like, are we... Are we we're, What's we're, the final word on us? Chris? No, no, no. I mean, so, I, I, I believe so, too. Like, like, like children in a sand pit aren't racist. Uh, we, we, we learned that. We're, and... And also, I, I don't think we're naturally. I think we're naturally. There's, there's a bit of competition and competitiveness in us, but I don't. I don't think that, like you said, we have an innate sense of justice. I think there's other things that come along later on, like capitalism and governments that we we reward uh, war and we reward uh, conflict and yeah, property. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, that's the essential difference. I mean, that's really what our book is about. Is to understand that that our species has existed for at least 200,000 years as an anatomically modern species, right? Uh, agriculture only came about 10,000 years ago. So that's 5% of our time on Earth as a species, or much less if you include pre-modern species of human, right? So it's a very small percentage in any case. And before agriculture... The way societies were designed was completely different from the way it is after agriculture. Think about property. All hunter-gatherer people are what anthropologists call fiercely egalitarian. They share everything. And if you don't share, fuck you. Get the hell out of here. Which is why anthropologists have a big problem when they show up with a, a big box full of chocolate bars and peanut butter to last the whole year while they're doing their research and they won't share it with anybody. The people are like, what the fuck? Are, what kind of person are you? <laughs> you come here, you eat our food, you ask me about my grandfather, you want to study everything and you won't share your peanut butter with us, right? It's a completely different mindset. So, what, But then when they give them the peanut butter, they, then like, they're like, okay, so how was the world created? From peanut butter! It's true. Cargo that's, a big, cults. that's another big Cargo problem. Cargo cults. Yeah. There are people who believe that the gods give canned goods. You know that? That's, but that's another story. So, so, so how did it change when agriculture came along? Well, agriculture introduced the concept of private property. And now you li people lived in settlements. They lived, uh, they could accumulate property. So for the first time, men really had a reason to care about their paternity. Because, like, I don't want to leave, you know, this building they that i they weren't yeah exactly they weren't nomadic it's so interesting and so so, the, the, they, the so that's when they took control of women 
right? And that's when women became property. If you read the Old Testament, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. We all think that's like respect his marriage, right? No. Read it in context. It continues. Nor his house, nor his slave, nor his she-ass, really, she-ass, nor his ox. Don't covet thy neighbor's property. And the wife is just part of the property. Right. And so when, it's a huge change. But so when, when people are hunting, when people are out there with spears... Like, okay, they're like a football team running around. Uh, let's go kill some mammoth, and we'll bring the mammoth meat back to where wherever we're camped for the night. You're saying that's fiercely egalitarian because the the it's we're, we're, maybe the women are staying behind. I don't I don't know if that's politically incorrect to imply, but but uh, I can't go back in time and see it. But but you're saying that like the the agricultural societies where there's like yeah we're, we live in one place we have a city we're going to irrigate these crops and you can store grain uh, well, there's there's exactly. there's leisure time because you can actually you, you can start to store crops and you can have a, a, a granary that where you can live. But that's rep- also where then, math comes from. It's where astronomy but, comes from. It's where or leisure, right. leisure civilization. Time but why? Yeah. Why? Um, and I'm sorry. What's your first name again? I'm sorry. Chris. Chris. Why? Uh, why do women become property then? Because when men have property, then they're very concerned with their paternity, so that they're leaving their property to their sons. But why is it men that have the property when agriculture comes along? Because the main uh, advantage in uh, agricultural societies is upper body strength because of the plow, that you had to be able to control a plow. Also, warfare became very important because agricultural societies tend to expand. So they're protecting borders. Right. So, so women in hunter-gatherer societies have equal or sometimes higher status than men. But women rule in a completely different way through consensus. Men in, in matriarchal societies get laid a lot. It's much better. For example, <laughs> bonobos are female-dominated. Even though the female bonobo is a little smaller than the male, as with chimps and humans, if a male attacks a female, all the females will gang up on that male and attack him. So when, you, when you're running a plow, and to be, to be agricultural, you need that upper body strength. Men are doing, they're running their farms. They become the rulers. Then there's more time to build structures. Uh, like, and specialization. Like, yeah, per, yeah, permanent structures yeah. that last uh, right. for a long time. Right. So then that's when you say patriarchy comes along. With, like, let's, let's make sure the hereditary... Like the bloodline stays, then you have rulers, and, and and that's when men become assholes. Yeah, <laughs> that's when the inner asshole comes out. I have to and update my, my my Joseph Campbell informed like understanding of how this all worked was that it was these male dominated football squads of the I pictured like these cavemen and these. For loincloth, like <laughs> like going like you you take the left, you take the right. Johnson, go twenty, go deep, uh! and they and they like spear these animals, and they take the meat back home to these little encamps encampments, and then they those encampments travel, and then those assholes go down to the equator where these like incredibly advanced societies have been formed. Sometimes incredibly brutal, but advanced societies have been formed because of because they're able to because they live in a more equatorial climate. They have created a society around the stars and uh, and the rising tide and all that stuff. And right. then those ass these 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 patriarchal guys come in and go fuck you. You don't you you may be organized, but you don't know home invasion. 
like we do, and they just take over, and they're idiots, but they own the alphabet. And they're just like, okay, A, B, C, D, I guess. Like, like that's, that, that was my understanding of it, but... Is that what Joseph Campbell said? Uh, that, that was the picture I got from him, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you're right that the men generally, and it's not politically incorrect, it's, it's accurate according to the data I've read, that the men generally went hunting, and the women generally gathered. Now, what's interesting is that about 60 to 70% of the calories that people lived on came from the gathering, not from the hunting. <laughs> right? So, I mean, and there are all sorts of things we, we recount in our book. Like in the Amazon, there's a, a tribe, the Kulina, that have a ritual where when the men, okay, so men don't like to hunt generally, right? They'll go occasionally, but men are lazy. They're in their hammocks, right? right. Yeah. So the women have a ritual called the Dutsiet Buane. Where they, in the morning, the women will get up and they'll go around the village and they sing the song that it basically translates to, we want meat, you men don't give us enough meat. And I wrote to the anthropologist and I said, is there a double entendre there? And he was like, yeah, definitely. L- there, L- L- Lorraine is casting a wry glance right now. Yeah. So they go around the village and the women will, like, they'll go up to the man who's lying in his hammock and a woman will go and bang on the post where his hammock is, is tied. And this is not his, the woman he normally has sex with, right? And what it means is, if you come home with some meat tonight, I'll fuck you. <laughs> so it's motivation for these guys. Like, oh, I get some strange if I kill a monkey. I get some strange. <laughs> strange. Uh, we, so, we, uh, so we should rename our species to Hominus Pivinus. Uh, oh, sorry, it's a Jeremy Piven joke. Okay. <laughs> Strange-seeking missile. Yeah. So uh, they okay. So then the guys like if you don't if you're not into that woman, you can say, "Oh, my stomach's bad," and like, okay, they'll let it ride, right? <laughs> but so then the guys will get together. Now in the Amazon, they hunt independently because the game is very sparse. In the you know, it's monkeys basically, and they're spread out. So the guys will all leave the village together. But before they split up, they agree to meet at a certain place at a certain time. So then they go out. A couple of the guys will shoot a monkey. The others won't. They'll come back. They got a couple of monkeys. They cut up the monkeys. So every guy walks back into the village with meat. And they all get laid. Uh, Wow. And the anthropologist who wrote this in an academic paper at the end, he wrote, the Kulina participate in this ritual in very good cheer. <laughs> of course they do. So now, as a, uh, as a guy who is delving into all of this, as a married guy who's in love with his wife and who has his own ego and his own... Uh, like, like, what, what, what meat did you get today? <laughs> when, you, when you come up against this, this point where you go, like, oh, this is how humans... Uh, what, what, what do, how do you... Like, like, we talked about this earlier. Like, like you... So our human species, like we, monogamy is, uh, it's, it may not be an ins- instinct for us, but it's, uh, it's something that we want to do and that is worthwhile in that way. I, I'm asking you as the guy who wrote the book and who is married – how you're coping with that information as it's coming yeah, well, in. Why, if, if why doesn't it change you? Why don't you run out naked in the street and become uh, the, the guy who's preaching the, the gospel of polygamy? Would you like us to talk about Chevy again? <laughs> Has he run out naked in the street? Yeah, like, if, if, we're not, if, if you're saying that we're not scientifically hardwired to, uh, to monogamy, what's, what's, the, 
why is that something that's persisted? Is, is there a benefit socially for us? That, well, it's an economic institution that's persisted because of private property, because it makes more sense and, and fits into an economic in- world that we've lived in for quite a while. Now, okay, then I have another question. Uh, since, like, you know, if that, if that really is the roots of misogyny and male domination and, and grossness, why, since we aren't a, a really, a, you know, a hunter-gatherer society, and really we're not an agricultural society. We, we, we certainly need, need agriculture to survive, but we're not really, we don't need upper body strength to, to, to survive anymore. Why does that male domination persist now? Is that just a hangover from that long ago? Or do, do we know why uh, women still get less money and why we still treat women like shit all the time? And, like, like what's why does that persist? Well, I think women are still... Subjugated in the sense that they're still seen largely as breeding vessels in, in much of the world and in this part of the world until very recently. You know, adultery, uh, as defined in the Bible and as defined in Western society until 20 years ago, only referred to the women. You weren't an adulterer if you screwed a single woman even though you were married. And, right, and, and then you the have the bastard it. son running around, you know, the right. Game of Thrones thing where it's like, <laughs> it's okay to have your seed perched somewhere on accident. In, in fact, it's advantageous, you know. It right. was a sign of uh, wealth and power. So, I mean, th- yeah, there are a lot of lingering effects of this in Western society, and certainly if you look at, you know, Iran or Afghanistan where women are still being stoned to death for the crime of having been raped, right? It's insane. Um, so women are still seen as property very much. And what, what we really uh, rebelled against in our book is this idea that women are by nature gold diggers, right? Women are by their very nature trading sexual access for, uh, you know, goods and services for men, for status and or meat and the ancestral environment or whatever it is. That, that's bullshit. Women were put in a position where all they had left to barter with was their sexuality. So, of course, they did in order to survive. Because if you had a kid as a single woman in Victorian England on Darwin's Day, you were a piece of shit. You were thrown into the street and your kids would starve to death. Yeah, if you're not allowed to be a senator ever and you don't have a penis, uh, yeah, and you're ambitious. So what do you do? It's a dead end. You survive. I mean, you try to survive. So, but what was your question? Oh, what, what do you do? Uh, well, my like, question was, what do you, what do you say to yourself naked? at night as you go to bed next to your lovely wife, like, as you turn out the light and you go, I got my dog, I got, do you have kids? You, you know, you're living the American dream, you got your white picket fence, you wrote a book that says that people want to fuck everybody. Well, they like, do. But, I mean, but, just look at them. Right? But, but so what? So what? What's the follow up to that? What's the epilogue to that? To a happily married man? That, well, the, that, the epilogue is that we all make our own decisions, and that you know, as I said earlier about vegetarian, we also want to take a shit, but we do it in a toilet. We also want to pick our nose, but we don't eat it. Why are you equating sex with horrible things? Hear him out. Hear him out, doctor. <laughs> Well, I, 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 I jumped. Uh, go ahead. Finish. No, I mean. I, I assume that's what you were going to say. <laughs> no, I, I think, you know, people, people find their own compromises. People find ways. The only thing, we don't advocate anything in the book. The only thing, you know, is in terms of behavior, we only advocate compassion and understanding. And, you know, let's start from a realistic understanding of what sort of species we are. So we look at anthropology, we look at primatology, we look at uh, human anatomy, particularly reproductive anatomy, the shape of the penis, the the volume of the testicles, the fact that women can have multiple orgasms. I got in trouble giving a TED Talk uh, 
because Meg Ryan was in the audience, and I decided to go off script and talked about female copulatory vocalization. Right? And that really pissed them off. So they, she, she can't have a problem with that. She doesn't, but the guy who runs Ted did. Oh. Yeah. He was like, I won't have what you're saying she's having. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Well, there's also something to be said about monogamy in the context of children. I mean, you know, there's a lot of evidence uh, of the destructive impact of, you know, uh, a parent leaving, you know. Desmond Morris's book, which is, again, it's totally the only anthropology book I've ever read uh, by this guy in the 60s who literally, that guy, I don't think in this book he said it, but he did say, just to put this in context, he did imply that the, that women's breasts evolved to look the way they did so that they would remind men of their butts. That's, called the, that's called the genital echo theory. Uh, that's, that, that's just to put it in to context. To remind men of their like, own butts? Like a, lot, a lot of founding fathers of like theories that we end up building stuff on, they, you, know, to, you put it in context, you're like, oh, you know what else Freud thought? He thought, thought this. Like, you don't discount Freud, but it was a different time. Anyways, the, the, that was the one book I read, and the, it was the thing that really stuck with me was this idea of pair bonding and, and neoteny. He talked about how humanity was in the crosshairs of, of nature, and we were going to be exterminated from the earth if we didn't figure out a fucking way to survive, and we had to do it through change, and we had to start emulating the pack-hunting, like, biological killing machines around us. And as we did, we had to really hunker down and stop being like these bonobos. He didn't, I don't know if he knew they were called bonobos or not, but stop being like our forebears and start like making some changes. And one of those changes was we got to, uh, we got to focus on the brain biologically. uh, And because that makes a baby harder to take care of for a longer time, we gotta focus on pair bonding. So we gotta we gotta we gotta fall in love. We gotta look at each other and we gotta go, I'm gonna have a baby with you. And when we have that baby with somebody, it's gotta mean something and we gotta stick with them. And that that all came out of our advancement. That as we started walking upright and as we lost our hair and as we started learning to use tools and as we invented alphabets, we were also learning to love each other precisely because our children are children until an unreasonable amount of time in the amount of time that it takes a kid to be able to beat off a wolf with a stick, you can have a whole wolf. Uh, That wolf that he's beating off with a stick is retiring. It's going like, I'm too old for this shit. Uh, so, so the you know the, the humans live until they're a very very old age, and their childhood is like largely spent being a gelatinous blob of crying snotty garbage. <laughs> and so you need somebody to stick around and take care of it. And so we started to we took that direction away from the bonobos. Like you don't just climb up in a tree. You don't, you don't just like, like hit the hills when you hear a distress call. We were, we were, we took a different path. And part of that path was us going, okay, you and me. Hey, you, Cindy. Okay. Yes, Carl. Yeah. No matter what happens, right? For real? Okay. Uh, and, 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 and that, 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 that became that, that the people that felt that Cindy way. Cindy and Carl. <laughs> 
the, at the dawn of time that, 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 that the people that felt that way and this is what's crazy that's a crazy idea that the people that felt but, but then again we have dogs shaped like corkscrews uh, that, but they're more genetically malleable but, but, but the people that felt that way survived longer that that the yeah. humanity that survived the ice ages and whatever the hell uh, happened to us there were the people that coupled up and said like i love i yeah. love, I love but, cindy but let's look at the let's look at the unarticulated assumptions in that right <laughs> I, I don't think i think everything i said was totally scientifically airtight i can't even begin to imagine in all the years of research <laughs> everything you said was articulated i'll give you that <laughs> Uh, this is Little Pink Houses theory of human evolution. Uh, what is it? Jack and Diane, right? Uh, Cindy and Carl. Yeah, Cindy and Carl, sorry. Uh, what that assumes is that we evolved in nuclear families, right? Casilda and I, in our book, we call this Flintstonization. This <laughs> tendency to look around at the modern world and project it into prehistory as a way to explain and justify the way we are now. The fact is, Hunter-gatherers don't live in nuclear families. They live in band-level societies of 150 people or fewer, in which they all take care of children. So I certainly agree with you that two parents is better than one. But you know what's even better? 15 parents. Right, like 20 cats. parents. Right. And running around with a bunch of kids your age, a little older than you. A seven-year-old respects the opinion of a 10-year-old way more than the opinion of an adult. Right. So there are all sorts of things built into us as a species that are resonant with band level societies. Got it. Um, you know, Casilda, who grew up in Africa, told me this beautiful expression. The best place to store extra food is in your friend's stomach. Makes perfect sense. Right. There was no refrigeration. There was no accumulated resources. So if you went out and you killed a deer and you came back and you said, according to your Jack and Diane theory, I'm only going to share this meat with my wife and my kids, assuming right. you knew they were your kids somehow, right, you know, right. uh, because you're out hunting. How the hell do you know who she's fucking? Right. I, I, I have a really weirdly shaped penis. <laughs> There's absolutely no way the woman that beds with me successfully could ever let another man. That was my weird strain of biology. Like the Habsburgs, but like, it's like a weird strain of DNA. Like it's like it looks a corkscrew. It's too that's too simplistic because that's like a lock that could be picked. Uh. It's like a, my penis looks like a common house key, and so did my great grandfather's. What were you saying? Uh. That, that's how I would know back then. That's how I. So would know. anyway, the anthropological data is very clear that hunter-gatherer people did not live in, in nuclear families. They did not live in sexual exclusive pair bonds. So this theory that like, well, the, you know, the ones where the man stayed and took care of the woman. Well, right. first of all, he didn't stay because he had to go hunting. God, Secondly, the last thing he would do is share the meat only with his wife because that would get them all kicked out of the damn band, which is what they're uh, depending on for survival. Sorry. And then you look at anthropological data, like, for example, in the Amazon and Papua New Guinea and other parts of the world, there are a whole bunch of societies that believe in something that anthropologists call partable paternity, which is that, you know, we assume that everybody knew that one sex act could result in a baby. That's not true. In fact, uh, still today, lots of people don't know that. Darwin didn't know that. Right. right? So... Um, these people believe that a fetus is quite literally made of accumulated semen. 
So a woman, sorry to gross you out, but a woman who wants to have a baby, as all women do, that's smart and funny and good-looking, will have sex with the smart guy, the funny guy, and the good-looking guy to get their semen into her fetus. And then when she accumulates a certain amount of semen, then it starts to become a baby. And then when she has the baby, all of these different men will come forward and say, yeah, I'm, I'm a father. And they're all like, there are different words in the language for like the one who put it in, the one who spilled it out, the one who mixed it around. <laughs> yeah, it's I, like gangbang porn I, in the Amazon. I have, I have a partial right now. <laughs> <laughs> the one who mixed it around. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. I know. That's, that's See, the beta male of Papua New Guinea, right? No. Oh, no, you, you, you stirred it. You, you stirred it. Good job, Roger. You go ahead. I'll be right there. I, I, I want to be the guy that mixes it around. I mean, Cle- Cletus is the reason he's tall, and, uh, you know, Cletus? Tim's the reason he's smart, but... Cletus. You, you stirred Cletus. him. You Why, stirred him together. Every, every name starts with C in your, in your, in your tribe. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, uh, I don't suppose either of you two have anything to plug or anything that make worth your time visiting us. Lorraine, are you are you doing anything that that, that you want people to know about? Um, I, I want you to benefit from your uh, time. Uh, let's see. Well, uh, watch Metalocalypse. Watch uh, yeah. Garfield. Watch. <laughs> no, you don't have to watch Doc McStuffins. Um, Doc McStuffins. Yeah. Tell me about that. <laughs> it's a reality show in, in, set in Papua New Guinea. Yes. <laughs> and they all stuff it. <laughs> it's about the guy who they just puts stuff in it. it. <laughs> um, I did an episode of Trophy Wife. I don't know. Yeah, I've got uh, uh, something called Box Trolls coming out in 2014. What's Box Trolls? Well, it's, it's an animated feature. It's an English movie. That's it. That's all I got. I mean, you're shrugging it off, but what the hell is this podcast? What are we? I just want to make sure, yeah, because we're honored to have you here. I, I, we missed you last time, and uh, uh, it really is so a pleasure to have by. you. You've been a hero of mine for a long time. It's very cool to have you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and when I say have you, I mean bonobo style. <laughs> and also come back any time. Uh, that's a policy we have here. Uh, uh, come, 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 hang out, and uh, you can take Jeff's place. It doesn't matter. Uh, let's. I'm the guy that mixes it around. <laughs> let's also thank Dr. Chris Ryan. His his podcast is called Tangentially Speaking. Thank you, guys. These are our guests. There, I'm a bad interviewer and a bad host, and I'm bad at dismissing people. What's your book called? Sex, Sex at Dawn. That sounds like a western. I love that. Sex at Dawn. Sex at Dawn. It's a threat and a promise. Lorraine Newman and Dr. Chris Ryan, everybody. First, go to his podcast, Tangentially Speaking, uh, which is a feral audio podcast, which I'm sure if we listen to it, be like, ah, man. (laughs) You know? I'm afraid to listen to it. Why? Well, because he, you know, come on. He's smarter than The elephant in the room, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's like me, but he read everything. You know, not only only is Dr. Ryan uh, 
sound like a fake doctor name. Dr. Chris Bryant sounds like, yeah. like, like something on a, on, a, on, a, on a soap opera. Uh, he's smarter than you and, and, uh, and me and everybody. But uh, he also, he, he speaks into the microphone way better than both of us. He sounds like a fucking radio DJ. Yeah, yeah. 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 He, and he sounded like he was fucking born there. Yeah. Like, like he just, he, he owned it. But you know what? He's right behind, now he's looming ominously right behind. <laughs> I like it. I, I want a doctor over my shoulder. I can refer to you in case... Of, I can, now he's caressing me tenderly. I'm, I'm not a real doctor. <laughs> my, my wife is a real doctor. If anyone has chest pains, talk to her. Is that right? What's your wife's name? Casilda. Casilda, and she wrote the book with you? Yeah. Well, why, why wasn't she up on stage, you sexist motherfucker? <laughs> what sort of hunter-gatherer bullshit is this? Well, he he never said that he was against anything that he observed. He was like, "Yes, men men own women." He, he he's sitting he's sitting up right now, thinking of which of the uh, audience he's going to fuck later on. <laughs> and he's pointing at you. He, he gave me a tender caress moments ago, and it was uh, it will not soon be forgotten. <laughs> Jeff, if. Should we go to the moon or have a nuclear holocaust? Uh, I would be. Honored. I, I would say the first. I would be honored if if you would oh. be the one that mixed it up. Dan in my new family. Dan, if you, if you, if he'll put it in, I'll mix it around. Speaking of which, let's bring out Aaron McGathey. <laughs> From the world's worst Segway department. <laughs> Have you had any thoughts listening to all this? Uh, yeah, sure. I I have to say I, I was really sleepy, and I I love Dr. Christopher Ryan. I've actually read his book Sex at Dawn. It was recommended to me before he had his podcast, but I fell asleep for the last ten minutes. Oh, um, that's been my fault. No, 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 no. It was no. It was no boredom. I was just. I was just sleepy right. and comfortable. And there's a, there's an intern back there who fell. As, she complimented my dress and then fell asleep. And I I was like, I want to take a nap with her. So I fell asleep. <laughs> it's happening as he's talking. The the yeah. There was yeah. It's, it's tribal. You guys created a hammock back there. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Should I come back and mix it up and <laughs> give a little here and a little there and. So, 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 so women, women thought a baby was made by, by combined semen, by fucking everybody, and a baby would turn out funny, smart, tall, uh, clever, this or that. And there was one guy's job just to get in there and like, look, the baby's tall, he's clever. I'm not. I was, I, I was, I, I just mixed it around. I, 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 I immediately thought I I, I'm the feeling, kitchen aide of I have a baby man. That, that title was re, was was reserved for the guy that they couldn't figure it out. They're like, oh, he's handsome like Tim, and he's strong like Kyle. And Steve, I'm sure you really made sure that Tim and Kyle were both equally represented with the back and forth motion of your tiny See, little plunger. The, the, the way I heard that. The, 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 it was not a beta male thing. It was very alpha. The guys like, like, like I went in there. I was so secure in my masculinity that I just went and mixed all that cum up and fucking stirred it up. Here's the crazy thing. I, do you ever wonder, like, how the fuck did human beings ever figure this out? Because uh, I, guess, I, guess, I guess they had nothing else to think about and no other data to collect. But the, with, I just learned that with cats, that's actually true. 
Mm-hmm. Like a couple different cats can fuck a female cat, and a litter of kittens actually represent different. So cool. That's, it's that's so insane. neat. You can have a whole baseball team. But how back then? I, I guess I kind of understand. Like they slow. It's just amazing to think of what they were going through back then at the dawn of of our species and how they looked at men and women and and, and like like. Well, I guess I'm. It's like like them. First of all, figuring out like, oh, that thing I do that I really want to do, and then that stuff that comes out when I finish doing it, like, oh, that's that's like seeds, and you're like dirt. <laughs> because sometimes, like them making the correlation that nine months later, sometimes. Did like, you ever have a sex talk, like a f- formal sex talk? Uh, no, my mom. <laughs> Did your dad hit you with a sex education book? My mom said to me at one point that um, this is as close as verbatim as I can get, and I've apologized to my mom. She's a great mom. I don't think she's listening to the podcast anymore, but <laughs> my mom at one point said that sometimes when a man looks at a naked lady, his his. <laughs> His penis gets excited and stands up and dances around, and and then white stuff comes out of it. And I, I was I, w- I went to the bathroom after watching Debbie Does Dallas with uh, my older brother. He would invite the neighbor kids over to watch. He would charge them to watch Debbie Does Dallas because my dad had it on VHS. It's a porn, you fucking twenty-five year old, you you big sausage pizza generation. We used to have story. (laughs) Debbie didn't want to do Dallas. She had to. (laughs) Mr. Greenfield earned it. Uh, uh, I I was like pre-pubescent and watching the big kids the big kids would watch it I went to the bathroom I've told this story a million times but I went to the bathroom and I I we all this is the 70s everyone had tidy whitey briefs that's all you wore and uh, there was some cotton lint mm. on my wee wee that I was absolutely certain I looked at it as I was going to the bathroom and I went oh my god my penis got up and danced around because I looked at a naked lady and that's the white stuff that came out did you really? Do you think there was a man in your penis, like The Shining? I like, thought that my penis. I thought that my penis was like a man that danced right. around. Yes, yes. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Interesting. Yes, that's how she described it to me. I grew up in a very religious family, and when I was six years old, my mom and I went to a carnival, and I don't remember the details from the carnival. I remember when we got in the car, I, I had, I was holding a five dollar bill, or uh, which one is Lincoln on? Five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm just just double checking. So I was holding this five dollar bill, and we lived in Italy, and I didn't have like American money, but at this or, or a penny it could have been a penny. It was a it was a bill, and I and I hadn't really seen American money, and I was like, ah, this guy, like to get on this bill. We're driving home. I'm like five or six years old. Ah, it's amazing. Like he got on this bill. Like how, where where did he come from? And my mom said, well. When two people love each other very much, uh, the, the female will arouse the man so his penis tr- Wait, is, it becomes what? an erect. Yeah. Why? This is how I, thought. What? And I was like, oh, I didn't know. That's not what I wanted. <laughs> what, what, what dots was she connecting there? I think she was just waiting for it. She was really excited. My mom, my mom was, was was very like academic and was just waiting for her chance to tell me about sex. Also, she she always <laughs> liked scaring me. I think a little bit. So I was just like, this guy, Bill. 
it a night at the carnival. Like, I remember, I remember as she was explaining this to me, I, I remember looking at fireworks uh, going off in the background as she was saying, well... When a man and a woman love each other very much, the woman will arouse a man so his penis becomes erect, hard like a stick. And then oh. the stick oh. the stick goes inside oh, uh, no. the woman, and if he's excited enough, his his ejaculate will go into her, and if it fertilizes wait, 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 the egg... She called it, uh, the dick a stick, but she used the word ejaculate? <laughs> It's a weird time to get clinical. Uh, well, our dog was named Ejaculate, so. Okay. Um, and I, I, I just sat, we sat in silence the rest of the way home, and she kept on asking me Good if I was okay, Christ. and I was like, it was fine. But I uh. misunderstood the talk, and that I thought that, and I think a lot of kids think this, I thought that the penis detached, and you plugged it in like a gas hose. <laughs> So that's what I was like. A gas happened. hose. Well, like, I thought, I imagined my pa- <laughs> A gas pump. I was imagining my parents lying next to each other and my, and my dad being like, honey, is it time for another, another McGathy child? And him just being... <laughs> my mom being like, yay, a baby! <laughs> Like all because things. I asked, all because wait, so wait, I was celebrating he, he, Abraham Lincoln on being on the bill. Meanwhile, I thought women had nothing to do. I thought that, that when a man looks at a woman, his penis is like just goes. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> you guys are lunatics. <laughs> Mom, how, how does a bill become a law? Well, when a, when a man loves a woman, <laughs> yeah, you, his penis turns into Lincoln? a man, detaches like a gas hose, and pours his ejaculate into her. I do remember when I was six years old, as we were we were driving home, and I. I, I had a presence of mind to be like, this is fucking crazy that she told me about this. I really feel like this is too soon. I w- by the way, I wasn't allowed to watch an R-rated movie until I was 17. So I knew everything, but nothing at the same time. But I, I had this moment where I was like, just remember, just remember this. Whenever you look at Abraham Lincoln or a $5 bill, you're going to remember where you were. And this is the first time that you are making a memory. That was my thing. I was like, this is my first memory, which isn't doesn't make any sense. But still, every time I look at a $5 bill, I think about my mom the, and my the, dad the, fucking. The first, time you, the, the, the first time you were scarred. Yeah. Bye well, bye. that was not the first time. Uh, All right. Good come on. Heavens. You guys... <laughs> Come on, Dan. Dan, I think I may have taken my nap before uh, because I'm, I'm. You slept during a fucking fascinating interview. Oh no, no, I loved it. I loved it. So, it, it, so, really, when, it was... so when you're back there before the show, you're just snoozing. No, no, no. It wasn't for very long. It was really because there was a nice lady who complimented my dress, and I just wanted to take a nap with her. I mean, that's really what happened. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I know. I think you were just tired. I was. I was also just tired. Yeah. But uh, Dan is meeting my extended family. On Wednesday, my very southern southern uh, extended family, and I started thinking about how soon that is, and I started getting really like nervous and overwhelmed. So I've been I've been distracted by that, but not in a bad way, in an exciting way. <laughs> Did it make you sleepy? The it doesn't. Is, I don't, don't you get overwhelmed and then sleepy? Yeah. Well, okay. Well, it's it's tw- it's yeah. Let's get Spencer up Twenty one minutes. Spencer, get up here. Hi, I'm Jeff B. Davis from Harmontown, sitting here with uh, Spencer Crittenden. Hey, guys, we're here to talk to you about rhetoric coffee. Are you guys coffee drinkers? Are you junkies? Do you get up in the morning and you're, you're just no good until you have that cup of coffee? Or do you just like to sweat a lot and get the shits? Yeah, no, that second one is definitely me. I like to sweat a lot and get the shits. Does that apply to this ad at all? 
Uh, strangely, yes. We're talking about Rhetoric Coffee. Rhetoric Coffee doesn't just give you unwanted diarrhea. It's the best subscription service coffee you'll ever taste in your life. Rhetoric commissions original art directly from comic book artists and then hand screen prints them on each bag. Each one you receive has a special life and is a unique organic work of art. I, we got this like bag right here. They, they, they gave us bags of coffee. I'm like... This is me crinkling a bag of rhetoric coffee. Look, I'm opening it right now. Oh my god, it smells like heaven. It's it smells like it smells like being like a like a like a angsty teen. He's Spencer is actually eating full coffee beans right now. That's good. <laughs> Dear God. That's great. Oh, somebody call the police. Not only are they fun to chew on, you could probably make coffee out of them. And you get to feel good about drinking that coffee because it's what I call ethical coffee. Rhetoric goes above and beyond fair trade, not just for their coffee, but in how they pay the artists that put the art on the bag with the coffee in it that Spencer is now currently chewing. Oh, yeah. Everyone wins. <laughs> You're a fucking monster. <laughs> their relationship with their artists allows the artists to continue making prints of their original work while allowing them full use for Rhetoric's projects. Everyone wins. Everybody wins. Everyone wins. Each roast is completely unique. You won't taste these complex flavors anywhere else. Their commitment to quality is top-notch. They are drinking what they are selling. They're getting high on their own supply. You know, they say not to do that, but it's also, I guess, a mark of quality in some sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to go to a drug dealer that doesn't get high on his own supply. That makes me feel like he doesn't believe in the product. It might not be good business sense, but it's definitely, you know, a good product. Yeah. Go to rhetoriccoffee.com and sign up now and use the promo code FERAL, F-E-R-A-L, for a 30% off discount. <laughs> go to FERAL. F-E-R-A-L, for 30% off. Your first roast. You, ne you never forget your first roast, Spencer. I, I never will. The first roast is the deepest. That's R-H-E-T-O-R-I-C coffee.com. Sign up and use the promo code FERAL for 30% off your first roast. Coffee so good, you can chew it. Here comes, here comes Cranky Spencer. Here comes Cranky Underdog Spencer. What was that? Oh, I, oh there's not enough time to play proper d, &D. I love that. I love oh. not having to write new things next week. <laughs> He's, he is truly my protege. <laughs> I, I've been training him in the art of not liking work. Spencer, is, uh, is, I, I don't think I'm uh, speaking out of school when I say that you are you're going to be in an episode of Community, right? Yeah, yeah. Woo! Uh, Am I damn? Is that bad? It was also mentioned a couple weeks ago. Yeah, we on talked the show. about it. Yeah, like, yeah, you uh, were but, uh, there. So, but uh, <laughs> I, I was not there. Uh, did, you, did you enjoy your experience on camera? I had to think about that. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. They, uh, you know, um, I think two weeks ago we also said. Uh, Danny and Allison, so they were really nice to me. They were really nice to me. Um, I'm I'm awkward. I don't talk to people. I don't make eye contact. I don't know what to say. I, I don't know what I'm saying right now. But they made me feel like almost a regular person. And more than that, almost a regular person that might have supposed to have been there. Wow. And, yeah, and it was amazing. Spencer, whether you like it or not, you've been thrust into the limelight. And you're, 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 you've become a beloved national treasure. I, I'd like to think so. <laughs> All right, now do your job. Oh. <laughs> let me, let Get me those character sheets stuff. out. Roll your dice. 
I dice I've, boy. I've been playing Spencer. I haven't I haven't played D and D in a few weeks. I want you to know that I've really been thinking about my character the last couple of weeks, and this is going to be really good from me. That I'm going to be very committed to my character, and I'm going to really play this. I'm not going to be I'm not going to be stupid. I'm going to hold you to that. Please do. I have to pee so bad. <laughs> we got this. Just go. It'll go be quick. Cool. Yeah. We'll, we'll, co- we'll cover it, Dan. No, no, no. We'll I'll, give, I'll, play, I'll play your snoring while you're peeing. Do you want Will you play, play, play for the... But then that's the whole show. That's the closer. No, no, we'll play it. We'll talk about it next week. Aaron recorded me snoring. <laughs> no. Let's, say, let's save that. Go pee. Are we, should we play snoring while you just, pee? Just while, he's, just while he's peeing. Go pee. <laughs> Okay, it's, get the hell out of here! It, it's nine forty-one. Let's see how long it takes Dan to pee. <laughs> uh, I have I have two videos. I have a video of Dan snoring, and then the I, I taped him while I was trying to gently adjust him and what he said to me. Gently adjust him. Well, because if he's lying in a certain position, he snores really loud. But any other position, he's fine. So I was just trying to like move the pillow a little okay. bit. But this is him snoring. Will the audio work here? One helps. Bottom. <laughs> a, a wildebeest? <laughs> so this goes on for a very long time, and I'm going to play the audio of, of me uh, just, just trying to move this pillow so, so he could stop snoring. Hey. Still, what's wrong with you? What? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna pause it. <laughs> uh, I'd like to say that I, I didn't get a very if good. If, if I'm if I'm ever dating somebody and I am right now, like if, if I if I snore like that, I would want somebody just to fucking put a bullet in my head. <laughs> I mean, Dan, Dan has been working such long, hard hours on community and is so tired. He's working so, so, so hard. And this was, I mean, he's barely ever home. He sleeps at the office. And last night he kept me up. And this is, I wasn't angry, but kept me up. Dance I, back, everybody. Dance was, back. Shit, was, a minute and a half. Not bad at all. He was snoring so loud. He kept I, the on trick wait. is I didn't wash my hands. He kept <laughs> <laughs> Stick them in my mouth. Stick your hands in my mouth. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, cue from home. Uh, he he was snoring so loud that he kept on waking himself up with a snoring and be like, "What? What, Aaron? What?" Did you hear it? Did she play? No, no. Yeah. I, well, I'm you gonna start. You laughing. couldn't hear from the bathroom. You, you pee that loud. You couldn't this hear your own snoring. Yeah. So so really quick. This is 45 seconds. We'll have to hold our breath because it's pretty quiet, and then we can we can laugh after. Stop. What's wrong with you? What? Nothing. You're just snoring all that. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, you know. I'm not, I don't want to fight. I, 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 I'm not doing anything wrong. I, I, I just need you to understand. Do you have any idea how little sleep I've gotten in my life? I know, I'm so, I'm so sorry. You're just... Uh, uh, if I do something, if I do something wrong, I, uh, It's not anything wrong. It's just an adjustment. I just need to... I'm just It's okay. Sleep apnea. It's not sleep apnea. I don't know. Low level Sid and Nancy. (laughs) I'm like, keep snoring. It's fine.
time. Hey, listen, listen. I may be asleep right now, but I want to wring your soul like a fucking rag. I'm going to drink every drop. I don't know if you understand while I'm sleeping how much energy you need to put into me sleeping. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm so oh, sorry. Oh, no, don't be sorry. Don't I woke sorry. up feeling terrible because the truth is, uh, j- j- honestly, like, that was a weird, it was a weird night. That was a weird night of catching up on a lot of shit and uh, I, I, I hope that was unusual. I, I, I don't, I don't want, It I, was. It was unusual. No, it was, <laughs> I mean, that's the reason why I taped it. I don't have a, a backlog of, what if? What if I did? Also, I'll start doing that. Also, if, if I... I mean, look, I, I don't want to think that I snore. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. But mm. I, also, I wouldn't want someone I have a video to, of you. I wouldn't no. want someone to fucking record me. Don't record me <laughs> while I'm fucking sleeping. Well, I don't mind. I actually... I, I'm kind of interested in that. Like, cause oh, it's, no. It's, 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 the, it's the one thing you'll never hear. That's so interesting. Like, oh, yeah. It's truly like you and your most... Like, like, I used to that's like my seeing dad the back of your snoring. head in a mirror. You know, it's like this weird... Like that's yeah, what I totally. sound like when my body is. I don't know. It's weird. Uh, right. yeah. Spencer, let's play a little D and D, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> Last time on Harmontown. Uh, and you know the thing about that meerkat show? Sorry. <laughs> you invite me here. You tell me to do stuff. Sorry. It's cool. What's on everyone's Christmas list? Silence. I I, I feel like Hollywood has changed, Spencer. I think being comfortable here has changed me into being less agreeable in general. (laughs) Which is my natural state, to be fair. You're starting to realize that what you're doing is technically labor. I mean, starting to? For Christmas, I'm getting Spencer a belt that's just one of the, the is that table. I don't get it. Spencer, Spencer, just just to change things up, I want you to do an intro D&D, but I want, to, I want you to do it to old-timey striptease music. <laughs> if it doesn't give us a boner, you did it wrong. Well... I've already failed. <laughs> I don't even know. So welcome to the stage, Spicy Spencer. I'm already here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... Uh, it, for the podcast, all, all lights have been cut except to me. Yeah. I don't. It's I called, don't know what's happening. It's called a special. You, ha- you, you, you have your light now. It's, it's called ho- burlesque. It's Hollywood, man. T- take your fucking shirt off. Uh, you want fame? Well, fame costs, and right now is when you start paying. I don't want any of this. <laughs> I never did. I just want to pour vodka and sit in a corner. Okay. How much time do we have left on this music, Jeff? Just two minutes. All right. Last time on Harmontown, nothing happened. I will. I will leave. I will. I, I mean, honestly, it's your guys' name on this. Yeah, come on. Well, it's just one, just one person. Same. I mean, sure. I think we're just feeling guilty that we. We ran up the clock as usual, so we're trying to make a joke out of it. When I got, sometimes when it's dark, I I kick my cat because I, I just bump into it, and I don't think, oh, sorry, let me kick you a whole bunch more times while laughing gleefully. That'll solve this problem. Well, well, did, 
does your cat seem like part of him kind of likes it a little bit? Depending on where you kick it. Oh, yeah. I have a socks on. What? 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 What, one a, minute 20 left in this track, Spence. Just go yeah. For it, yeah. And this is what? Take four? Yeah. All right. Last week on Harmontown, as I said before, literally nothing happened. There was, uh, you know, it was a different Harmontown. No, no D&D happened. Oh, right, right. But the time before that, however, our heroes were locked in combat with Admiral Darkstar. You see, the climactic, anticlimactic combat involved face-sitting, wire saws, and dismemberment discussions on the seemingly helpless Admiral. And after attempting to reason with the Dark Lord, he revealed that were he killed, he'd grow much more powerful, perhaps more than they'd ever imagined. But heeding not Darkstar's words, our heroes settled on decapitating him via wire saw, and Christoberg began his grizz- grisly work. As he saw it, a foul oozing miasma began spewing from the dark armor, filling the room with a vortex of evil energy. But after a moment, it dissipated. Our heroes began to celebrate their victory, but their jubilations were cut short by a massive metal claw bursting forth from the floor below. A four-fingered ferris fist snatched Quark and lifted him high into the air in its cold clutches. And, yeah, that's what's wow. happening. Right. <laughs> eleven minutes, eleven minutes of role playing. It's going to be the most intense role playing you've ever had. Okay, so just, just so I, I'm being held up in a, in a in a big fist. Yeah. So you thought you killed this guy, and then all of a sudden this this hand bursts out of the ground, cracking the stone floors all around you, and it, it grabs it grabs Quark and lifts him up in the air like a, some sort of thing holding Quark up in the air. <laughs> I try to wrestle myself free. All right, that's probably a good opening move. Yeah. That doesn't happen. Oh, you shit. try to squirm out of its grip, but its vice-like claws hold you tight in place. Help me! Teleport, cloak! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, up to the top of the thumb of the hand holding my friend. You wave your teleport cloak, and it gives a... <laughs> It seems like it's run out for the day. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Quark, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna put on my boots of springing. So okay. I okay okay. <laughs> you relax, save your energy. Uh, you look very weak. I'm being crushed by a giant hand. Yeah, I know. Shush. <laughs> I put on my my boots of springing, mm-hmm. and I I take a deep breath. And, you know, in baseball players, if they make eye contact with something, it works better. So I do that. I jump. I use my boots of springing. To try and to jump. To try and jump up and release them. Because I have, a whole, I have a whole basket of crafts and a lot of ideas. I just got to get up there. All right. You, you spring spryly atop the hand. You land between the second and third fingers, kind of on the joint of this hand. Uh, you're kind of standing above where Quark is with your basket of crafts. I'm about to destroy your handiwork, sir. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) I liked it. it. Can I do anything else? Uh, What do you want to try? It depends. You could start doing something else, to be sure. Okay. Um, I'm going to prepare something for my next move, which will be... Being crushed by a hand. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to. Uh, I, have, I, I, have, I, I sit there while I'm in crash and I watch her prepare something. <laughs> Do I 
antifreeze? Uh, no. Okay. You have cheese. <laughs> all right. Um, isn't that our other game where I have all the cheese? Or I have a lot of cheese here, too. Uh, it's, it's a craft supply. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. Um, I could hear Adam getting that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, I I take out a, a, a two two pieces of um, plastic sheeting from my craft area, and we've released Adam. I take out two two sheets of plastic sheeting uh, that she's some string and a hole punch. Okay. Stay tuned. <laughs> All right. Um, plastic doesn't exist. What? Plastic doesn't exist. Plastic doesn't Neither exist. Neither just preparing stuff right, for the next okay, round. Okay, well, then I'll like, wait for my next turn. All right. I'll put it at Dan's turn since it's magical. We all want to do a bunch of stuff. Do it. Gaseous form. <laughs> Waving your arms around, you dissipate Ooh. to a gas. Dissipatus formatus. <laughs> <laughs> You now uh, occupy the room like some sort of fog or mist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guess what? I'm moving up into this robot's face. Well, there's only the claw. Oh, the claw? Over- okay, I assumed I projected a robot with my mind. I mean, <laughs> who's to say there's not a robot? All right. I mean, a big robot hand came up, grabbed my friend. Yeah. All right. I'm a gaseous form. Yeah. Um, I'm going to... Can I can I do something? You can exist in a gaseous state. What does a gas do? It dissipates. It uh, it sits. You can't do anything as a gas, dude. I can't move. Well, you're you're a, a gas. Yeah, you could drift. Can someone, can someone please make a T-shirt for Dan that says "exists in a gaseous state." <laughs> I Dan, can't move. Dan, the well, one the one who cast it blasted. Dumb. Dumb. You can, yeah, you can, you can drift around, but yeah, that's about it. I drift around to the robot's I'm being face. crushed by a hand. You guys are putting out plastic and cheese and turning it into farts. I drift, I drift down through the hole that the Help hand came up brother. through. Okay. I'm going down through the hole that the hand came up through. That makes sense. Yeah. I get it now. Does it? Okay. Yeah, All right. it makes more sense. Okay. <laughs> it makes 80s hero sense. <laughs> Flowing through the cracks in the floor, you go down a level, and there you see a giant robot man. See? <laughs> With his arm through the ceiling. I, go, I get up in his grill. <laughs> you, you surround his face gaseously. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, now you become a 90s hero. <laughs> So, uh, the, so welcome the, to Earth. The quirks <laughs> The claw starts flailing around, and it, it smacks Chris. No, Quark. Sorry, sorry, Quark. Into the ground, all uh, body slam style or oh, something. Does he release him? Fly swat style. Yeah. I mean, he opens his fingers so that he could uh, get the crushing thing going on. Get out of there. Yeah, I, he does, actually. I get out of there? At the last second, as the fingers open, you dive out of the way and, uh, and, and miss being squashed very narrowly. It's because I'm nimble as a fucking mountain goat. <laughs> uh, what, what am I doing? Because I, I was... You're, you're preparing crafts, I believe. Yeah, so... Am I still on the fingers? E- You'd be in front of the fingers at this point. I've been what? You're now in front of the fingers on the floor as the fingers are on the floor. I see, okay. Like that. 
like that. Is that my turn? For the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, barbarian rage, mighty sword attack on the hand. I, I try to slice the, uh, the, uh, the veins on his wrist like a cutter. <laughs> Bleed this dick real slow. And I, I, as I do it, I take my sword and I go, I'll make you leak, Jack. <laughs> Wait, so are you quipping wittily or raging? I, 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 I quip ragily. Okay. <laughs> The, the true meaning of what you were trying to say doesn't come across entirely, but being a robot hand, you don't suspect it matters. But you slice into his finger with your mighty sword and, and cleave one off. It, it seems to do... I went for the wrist. I went for the wrist. Oh, the wrist? Yeah. Well, you don't cleave it off then. Oh. You do just deal some serious damage. All right. Is there extras 1d6s on you? This is so boring. Anybody got 1d6? Talking about I'm, math. I'm, it's, uh, it's 2d8 plus 8. Yeah, crit, gotcha. Crit, crits 19 to 20 times 2. He's asking for dice. Yeah, for dice. No, no, I got the dice. I got okay. the dice. Sweet. That you would always get the dice. 22 damage. Fuck yeah! Oh. Oh, freak out! <laughs> All right, is it, is it back on me? Were you just trying to end the show? No, no, no. I thought that you, I thought you were like, yes, yes, and then everyone just killed the momentum. And no, like, no, oh, no, no, no. I, I, uh, I, I end the show. I, I would do this till 11. I, uh, I want to find their limit. I take, I take the supplies. I take the supplies that I had gathered before, not plastic, string and cheese. I, I make eye contact with the room. And I, <laughs> I smash it, and I put on my armulet of summer, mm-hmm. my flaming armor that can heat up metal. Woo, yeah! yeah! Yeah, that's you guys. Yeah! So good! So good! We'll, 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 we'll edit their silence out. We'll, we'll <laughs> Uh, so with my with my armulet of summer, which I'm assuming like fires up, so it looks like I'm I'm on fire, right? Yeah, like not completely human torch, but pretty much there. Okay, all right. Hey, look! I say to my friends, um, and then I I'm going to charge the. Can I charge the? Is the heart exposed? Not on this floor? not from this floor. You'd have to pop down to the lower level there. All you have is the hand coming up through the floor right now. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess I'll go ahead and pop down, but can I pop down by sliding down the neck like a Ghostbusters pole? The so it's kind of like, okay. The, yeah, you can. It's just the arm, not the neck. Right. Okay. But yeah, right, definitely. The next out. Okay. All right. I'm going to slide slide down the the arm, but I'm going to nuzzle it as I go down so as to create as much damage as possible. <laughs> With a damaging nuzzle, you slide down the metal arm. It doesn't seem to do very much because it's metal. But you do slide down the arm and find yourself on its shoulder right next to the giant robotic head. Cool. You got a you got an attack action or something. Too. Oh, I do? Oh, well, then I'll, I'll take my flaming arrows and I will fire my flaming arrows into one into an into the robot's eye and the other into his neck cuz he'll be like what is happening <laughs> you fire your arrows at point blank range they both smash into the head except one of them seems to like bounce off the head and it just Plinks off the armor. The other, however, pierces through and goes into the brain. You can see... Well, I mean, the robot brain. I don't know what you call that. A computer. Right. 
the Positronic module. Which doesn't exist in D&D. Uh, however, uh, according to Asimov, all... It's the soul matrix. The soul matrix emits sparks, and he takes 12 damage. Uh, brain damage, though. Oh, That's fire. Extra. And I say, I'm on fire! <laughs> That's... The laziest mic drop of all time. Well, I I, I don't want to hurt the mic. <laughs> but the you most were, compassionate. You, but you thought you could drop. do damage by nuzzling? <laughs> oh well, Irene, have you ever slept next to Dan Harmon? Hello. <laughs> Look, uh, I don't want you to. I don't want to get in a fight. I just need you to understand how high the stakes are when I'm sleeping. Before, where's the treasure? The treasure's here. You gotta get the treasure. This where's the treasure? I was talking about treasure. I was, I was breaking the finale story in my sleep. Uh, get it, get You're welcome. It's <laughs> how hard right, guys, I work. It's, it's, we're close to finish time. We have, we have to come up with a cliffhanger here. Let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's focus. Sharpie's turn. All right. So I'm gaseous form, and I'm up in this guy's grill. <laughs> or that right? T-shirt. Okay. So here's the thing. I'm going around back of his neck. This is what I do. This is my thing. I'm going to stop being gaseous form, and I'm just going to be on his neck. No, wait. Can I, can I go into his body because I'm gaseous? Yes. Get, I was like a, Can uh, I edit the podcast to make it seem like I knew that already? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, I'm gaseous. I should, I should be on his left shoulder. <laughs> I go inside his robot body as a gaseous form. Holy shit. Okay, that happens. You're like wow. Dennis Quaid in inner space. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like uh, the, the left half of Timothy Hutton in the dark half. Thud. That's Timothy Hutton's fault, not mine. That's how he ended up on TBS. Yeah, so you're inside of him. Did you want to do anything else? Yeah, I want to look around. Like, no, what's do, up? do an attack. attack do an, you have attack damage. Shit. What do I see in there? Am I gaseous or can I see? You could, you're, you're gaseous and you can see. All right. You, uh, you see you, a Sharpie, of... expand yourself as much as you can. Well, just let That's me see. What, she what do said. I? What do I see? Um, yeah, you, you and see, how can I see? I'm gas. I don't have eyeballs. Well, that would take a lot longer yeah. than yeah. Um, but you see a lot of stuff you don't understand because it's it's magical robot shit, and you're not like a magical robotician. But I know what a heart is. You sure do. I know where I know where the power is coming from. Well, you see. You see a weird glowing thing. You see a lot of weird glowing yeah, things. I see, you don't but know I see, but I see something glowing more than other things. Nope. They're <laughs> yeah, all glowing equal. No, I do. They're different colors. <laughs> I see something red. I see a red thing. Okay. I see it glowing bright in the chest area. And I gasp my way over to that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Dan, you can't just tell him what is there. I am... <laughs> Having a moment here with Spencer. <laughs> I, that's where I do, that's, I go to that, and then yeah. and then I reform around it. Okay, punching it, <laughs> punching it. I see a purse boutique. 
<laughs> Bunching. Okay, so you you flow in, you flow in, and you 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 stop. You see what is a red glowing thing inside the interior of this machine. You recorporalize, yeah. and you start punching it. Well, I mean, let's uh, you know if you want to get specific about what I'm doing. There's obviously cords, wires, valves coming. No, it. there's not. There's, there's a glowing a- red thing, but that's it. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Then yes. I mean, I, there's more glowing things. There's no cords or wires. All right. Then I. I mean, how how long is this move? I yes. I I I, I, I recorporalize and I punch it. Okay. You start punching the red thing. It it continues to glow and it starts glowing brighter and it's getting hotter as you're punching it. It's gonna start burning you if you keep punching it. I'm gonna start burning it. Okay. Well, then it continues to glow brighter and brighter and brighter. So do I. Okay. Well, I mean. Let's put that aside for a moment. It continues to glow brighter, and then it emits... Spencer! Spencer! Spencer, get back! Spencer! He left. He left the job. Spencer, just... Wa- get back here, Spencer! We need you! He, he just fa- walked out the back. Oh, my God. What the fuck? Dan, wants- Dan fell asleep and started snoring, so... <laughs> I'll take over. <laughs> what just happened? We lost. We lost. Lost Spencer. <laughs> Spencer. It's a cliffhanger. I couldn't have been more invested in what was happening. I know. Like he was experiencing a totally different thing. I think he took the the, uh, the snoring thing as a comment on his dungeon mastery. Oh, like 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 yeah. Way to go, Aaron. <laughs> What? Uh, all right. So Aaron just... McGathy's a bad person. Cliffhanger! <laughs> Thank you for coming to Harmontown, everybody. Can we give it up one more time for Spencer Crittenden, Aaron McGathy, Dr. Christopher Ryan, and fucking Lorraine Newman, everybody. you are. We love you. Good night, all. We made him leave. Oh, okay. beautiful. I'm Amy Errett, founder of Madison Reed, a hair color company I named after my daughter. One of the things I value most in life is time. Time to spend with my daughter, time to spend with family, and the time I put into my company that's reinventing the way women color their hair. The busiest, most successful women I know use Madison Reed, the amazing hair color hack. In under an hour and for less than $25, Madison Reed delivers gorgeous, shiny, multi-dimensional, healthy-looking hair with an ammonia-free formula. You'll look like you just came from a salon, but the reality is you have more me time to do what you love. Things get busy. Let us take care of you and your hair. 
Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com and get 10% off plus free shipping on your first color kit. Use code NEW. That's code NEW. Try it. Love it. That's the beauty of Madison Reed.